Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. So I heard a story this week about a man who was uh, in a neighborhood in Philly out doing some window shopping, and he happened upon this little kind of old antique shop decided to wander in and you know looked around mostly it's filled with what you'd expect lots of kind of knickknacks and junk uh, and he's about to leave but as he walks out he sees this one little dish and it's on the ground right at kind of the front of the shop and he takes a little bit of a closer look at it and he, and he it appears to be a, a Chinese dish and he, he looks a little closer. It looks very old. And he, he, as he gets closer, he recognizes that this isn't just an old Chinese dish. This is a priceless relic from the Ming Dynasty. Like, this, this little dish, it is, is so valuable. It's, it's worth more than every single item in this shop combined. And here it is just sitting on the floor and he he knows he can tell like clearly this owner has no idea what he's got on his hands like there's no way this owner can understand how much this dish is worth because not only is it sitting on the floor but it's got milk in it and there's a cat drinking out of it so he thinks to himself ah opportunity i could get this 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 inestimable incalculably valuable dish for a steal like, this guy doesn't know how much it's worth. Let's see what I can get it for. So he, he kind of thinks of his plan. And he starts talking to the owner. He says, oh, I, I'm just amazed. I, that is a beautiful cat you have here. This, this cat, she's incredible. I, I really, I would love to, to buy this cat. The owner's a little bit taken aback. He goes, this cat? I mean, there's nothing special about the cat. I mean, she's just here to catch mice. And the man continues, he's, no, 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 I insist, I must have this cat. Listen, can I, can I pay you $100 for her? The owner again is like, I mean, all right, I guess I can take $100 for the cat. I can get another one for free. Sure, she, she's yours. So the man says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It just oh, means the world to me. But you know, I, I'm going to need to be able to take care of her. I, need something for her to, to eat from. You know, she's got that dish she's, she's drinking the milk from. Could you throw that in too? Maybe, maybe give it an extra 10 bucks. I'll, I'll take the dish too. And the owner replies. He says, well, actually that I, I, I can't do. That dish, it's actually an ancient Chinese dish from the Ming Dynasty. It is my prized possession. Its worth is beyond calculation. Funny thing, though, now that you mention it, ever since I, I got that dish, I've sold 17 cats. You know, the ability to assign value is one of the rarest and most precious gifts in the world. People who live in deep community with one another learn to express the value of other human beings. They, they're masters of expressing love in word and in gesture. They assign high value, high worth, and importance 
to the people in their lives by viewing them as priceless gifts. You know, today we wrap up our series in the the one another passages that we find scattered through the New Testament. And we've learned all of these different ways that, that we can relate to one another, these incredible and essential tools for growing in healthy and, and growing relationships. We've learned to love one another, learn to pray for one another, to submit to one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. And today we have one last one. Today we learn from Scripture how to encourage one another. And we learn that from this letter to the Hebrews. In it, we were told to consider how to provoke one another toward love and good deeds. We're told to encourage one another. And and the word that the author uses here is this really wonderful word. The Greek word is parakaleo. It's a compound Greek word. When you break it apart, it gives it so much meaning. Uh, Para in Greek means to come alongside. And kaleo means to call out. So when you put the two together, you get this beautiful word picture of what it is, what it means to encourage one another. And it's simply this. It's those two steps. You come alongside and you call something out. So breaking those two apart, think about it this way. If you want to encourage somebody, you're going to want to come alongside that person. And coming alongside means you're, you're putting yourself in their place. You're, you're taking the time to, to think about who they are, what makes them tick, what their strengths and weaknesses are, what they're good at, the good things that they have done for you and for the world, and, and, and maybe the hard things, the things that they're struggling with or, or not so good at. You're entering into that space with them. One of the most infamous portions of the Boston Marathon, you may have heard of it, it's called Heartbreak Hill. And there along that hill, thousands of spectators gather every time this marathon is run. They they gather along the sides of it to cheer runners on because that is the place where they get the most tired, where runners are just ready to collapse. And during one race, one year, there was one young man who was near total exhaustion as he he approached the foot of the hill. It didn't look like he'd be able to make it one step further, but as he faltered, another runner, an older man, came up alongside him. He he entered into his space. He, He put his arm around him. He spoke quietly to him, and then together, arm and arm, step by step, these two Men, they made their way up that hill and across the finish line. That's what it means to encourage someone. You come alongside them. And then you call something out in them. You intentionally look for what is good that's going on inside that person, ways that that God is working in them, ways that God is, is blessing them, ways that God is using them. You look for the good, and when you see it, you name it. You call it out. Now, this can be a little harder than it seems for some of us. We live in a culture that has taught us all to be critical thinkers, right? Many of us, myself included, we have a very a, a keen eye for finding fault. No matter how much good might be in front of us, we can spot the tiniest flaw from a mile away. We, we can do that for the people around us. But even more, we, 
we do it to ourselves. You know, we are our own worst critics. And if we stay in our own heads, if we stay by ourselves, nothing that we do will be good enough. So for me, that, that's why I need other people. You know, that's why we need other people, people who will follow God's invitation to be good encouragers, other people who will come alongside us and call out the good that they see in us. And that's why they need the same from us. So want to be an encourager? Well, simply come alongside people in your life and call out the good things you see in them. Now, you may be thinking, you know, ugh, she already knows all that. She, she knows that she's good at that, but I would hazard to say, no, she doesn't. No, he doesn't. I can almost guarantee you that nobody in your life knows, fully knows, the good that is in them as well as they should. They need other people to call it out, to tell them. Study after study has shown that the most effective way that you can help somebody grow, that you can help somebody succeed, is to affirm their strengths rather than critique their weaknesses. It's the way we're made. When somebody affirms what's good in you, it gives you that inner strength then to face up to the parts of you that maybe aren't so good. And in my experience, best way, the most powerful, the most effective way to encourage somebody is to write it down. If you've got something good to say about somebody else, put it in a, in a note or a text or in an email because that person then, they have the chance to actually really kind of take it in, to read it, maybe reread it a couple times over and, and, and read it enough times that maybe they actually start to believe it. You know, personally, I have files that I keep. I have one on my computer and I have one in my cabinet. The emails I've received or the notes that, that people have sent me over the years that have, have been encouragements to me. And I'll tell you, when I'm having a bad day, those are good files to go to, to pull out one of those notes or to, to read one of those emails that when I'm feeling discouraged, I have that encouragement to go to, to kind of give me the strength that I need. So if you have something nice to say, write it down. But I will warn the converse is also true. If you have something critical to say, don't put it in writing. Say it face to face where you can kind of get those verbal and, and visual cues back from the person that, that you're talking to that you can kind of work that kind of stuff out in person. But simply said, encourage one another come alongside and call out the good that you see in one another. And here's some really good news. <laughs> Encouraging one another is so, so very easy. Encouraging one another takes no special program, no advanced training. There are no meetings to attend, classes to take, or committees that you have to put some, some commitments on your calendar. Encouraging one another, it starts right where you are. Husbands and wives, you can, you can tell each other why you fell in love with one another and why you still remain committed to each other. 
Friends, you can tell each other why you're grateful for one another. Parents and grandparents, tell your kids why you're proud of them, not just for the good things that they do, but for the people that they are. Start where you are, but maybe don't stop there. Start where you are with the people in in your inner circle, but let me tell you, there are more people and more circles to keep reaching out to, people who are in desperate need of your encouragement. Some people who especially need encouragement tend to be people who are in distress. You know, those who are facing sickness, cancer treatments, surgery, those who are out of work or facing financial difficulty, those who are caring for loved ones who are sick or incapacitated, those who are grieving a loss of a loved one. People in distress, they desperately need to hear that they are good, that that what they're doing is good, that they are valued and they are loved. You may not know the right words to say to a person who's going through a hard time like that, but don't let the fear of saying the wrong thing lead you to say no things. Send a card, shoot an email, just something saying, hey, I love you. I'm with you. You're not alone. Sometimes that's all it takes. So some people who could use some encouragement today might be people who are in distress. Others who generally tend to be people who need encouragement are those who are experiencing seasons of change. Those are people in transition. That includes newlyweds and new parents. Certainly includes all parents, all kids, all teachers. Oh my goodness, in this crazy season of change we're living in right now. People who are starting new jobs, people are moving to a new place, people just going through seasons of change. They need encouragement. Everything in their world is just kind of going crazy. They need to know what what stays the same, which is your love for them and your presence with them. People in transition, they need to, to have a little bit of extra encouragement third group of people who who may need your encouragement today are people and leaders who who serve and work in the church. Pastors and staff, we definitely need encouragement, but also those amazing people who volunteer their time and their talent week after week, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, elders, deacons, committee members, singers, musicians, whether it's paid or volunteer, people in ministry need your encouragement because, man, ministry can sometimes be very discouraging work. So people in ministry, they need to hear, they need to know what they're doing makes a difference. So encourage one another. Come alongside and call out the good that you see in one another. Do it because it makes a difference, but don't do it just for that reason. There's a better reason. And it's really the same reason we have told you week after week after week through this whole series. It's the same reason why we love one another. 
It's the same reason why we pray for one another. It's the same reason why we submit to one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. We love, pray, submit, bear, forgive, encourage, and so much more because in Jesus Christ, that is what God has done, still does, and will always do for us. It's true, my friends. In Jesus Christ, God encourages us. You know how I know that? I know because I read these words in scripture. Jesus having this conversation with his disciples, he told them. He told them just just hours before he went to the cross, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to go and I'm going to return to my father. But he said, you know what? It's a good thing. It's a good thing because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my place. The Holy Spirit And do you know the name that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit? The name that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit, this Greek word, may look familiar, may sound familiar. It's paraclete. Paraclete, same Greek word as parakaleo. Parakaleo is to encourage. Paraclete is the one who encourages. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would come and dwell inside us and be our encourager. And indeed, that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, knowing everything about us, what makes us laugh, what makes us cry where we feel weak and where we feel strong, our triumphs, our defeats, the Holy Spirit knows us so well. And knowing us, the Holy Spirit can uniquely comfort us, challenge us, and give us the strength we wouldn't otherwise have. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us, and the Holy Spirit calls out what is good in us. It is the Holy Spirit that reminds us and makes real to us the abiding promises of God. Promises like, I have loved you since the moment you were born. I am with you, and I'll never fail you. My plan for you and for your future is filled with hope. And those who... Wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You know, without the Holy Spirit, those are just words. But it's the Holy Spirit, the encourager, that calls them out, that speaks them into our hearts and makes them real, makes them personal, makes them true. And when we know in the very depths of our souls that we are loved, that we are known, that we are cared for in every aspect of our lives, when we ourselves are encouraged, that's when we have the power to be encouragers to one another. So here's our final one another challenge for this series. And this one is two parts. I want to invite you to get encouraged, and I want to invite you to give encouragement. So first, get encouraged. Just a minute, we're going to pray, and as we pray, we're going to offer up some of the best, some of the most beautiful, inspiring words from Scripture, these promises 
of strength and hope that our God offers. And as we pray, I just want to invite you to listen and, and notice which your heart kind of latches onto. Which of these promises you feel like, yeah, that's, that's God speaking to me right now. And, and give yourself that opportunity to say, yeah, maybe it is. Like maybe that promise, that one, that's for me. And so whatever it is, whatever one your kind of heart leans into and gets that courage, that encouragement from, hold on to it. You know, maybe go Google some of those words after this service and, and, and find that verse. Write it down. Paste it somewhere where you're going to see it. Receive that as God's encouragement to you. So first part is get encouraged. Second is give encouragement. Think of somebody in your life right now who could use that encouragement. Somebody in distress, somebody in transition, somebody in ministry. Just, just somebody, somebody that needs another person to come alongside them and call something out in them. And you know what? We're going to do that right now. I'm going to give you instructions. And when I'm done with those instructions, what I actually want you to do is pause this video. You get to pause the worship service here for a second and take a quick break. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this challenge into action right now. So you've thought of your somebody, and I want you to reach out to that somebody right now. If you're somebody who does text messaging, all you got to do is pull out your phone, send them a text right now. If that's not the way you want to do it, fine. Again, pause the video, go grab a note card, go get on your computer. Just do something to send them a message of encouragement right now. Don't let any time go by. Don't give yourself the opportunity to forget or get busy or doing something else. Just send them that encouragement right now. Now, what I don't want you to do, because I know some of you will do this, is start your message with, hi friend, so my pastor told me I have to encourage somebody, so don't do that. Just encourage them. Reach out to them. Come alongside them. Call out something good in them. Do it right now. Hit that pause button. Ready, go. I'll be here when you come back. Did you do it? All right, good job. But you're not done yet. Because I want to encourage you to keep going. Do it more this week. Maybe do it every day this week. Just take the time to encourage anyone and everyone you encounter. Because everybody needs it. You'll be amazed. You will be amazed at what a big difference just a little encouragement can make. Tell you what, it made a big difference for a kid named Teddy. His name was Teddy Stollard. And Teddy wasn't the kind of kid who ever got picked for any team at recess. Teddy was never going to be accused of being teacher's pet. Teddy never got invited to his classmate's birthday party. Teddy was awkward. He slouched in his chair. He looked bored most of the time. He only spoke when he was called on, and when he did, it was pretty much just in one syllable at a time. Teddy never dressed right, never had the right clothes. He always kind of smelled a little bad. And whenever his teacher, that, that given year, his teacher would mark Teddy's papers, she got a little perverse pleasure out of marking all the wrong answers. 
She'd put the F on the top with a little extra flair. She might have known better had she actually read his history that was on file. Yeah, it was written there, first grade. Teddy's a good boy and he shows promise, but he has a poor home situation. Second grade. Teddy's quiet and withdrawn. His mother is terminally ill. Third grade. Teddy's falling behind. His mother died this year and his father's uninvolved. Fourth grade. Teddy is hopelessly backward. His father has moved away. Teddy's living with his aunt. He is deeply troubled. Well, Christmas came, and all the children brought presents to school, and they were all carefully wrapped, all of them except for Teddy's, which was packaged in crinkly brown paper and barely held together with just a few pieces of tape and written in Sharpie marker on that brown paper for Miss Thompson from Teddy. And the teacher, Miss Thompson, she opened the gifts that all the children brought one by one, and and she did it in front of the class for everybody to admire. But when she got to open Teddy's, she opened it up and it was a rhinestone bracelet with most of the stones missing and a, a bottle of perfume that only had about this much left in it. And the other children, they, they started to laugh, but fortunately Miss Thompson caught herself and caught them and she immediately just snapped on the bracelet and, and sprayed a little bit of the perfume and said, isn't it lovely students and, and doesn't this perfume smell so good? Well, at the end of the class, Teddy approached her shyly, and he said, You know, I'm, I'm glad you liked the gift, Miss Thompson. All day long, you smelled like my mother, and her bracelet looks so pretty on you. Well, after he left, Miss Thompson just put her head on the desk and cried, and she asked God to forgive her, and she prayed that God would help her see the value of this beautiful, motherless boy. When the children came back to school the next day, Miss Thompson was a whole new teacher. She tutored the children who needed extra help, Teddy most of all. And by the end of the year, he had caught up with most of his classmates and was even ahead of some. Well, after that, she didn't hear from him for, for a while. But one day, a few years later, she received a note in the mail. It said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm graduating from high school and I am second in my class. Love, Teddy Stollard. And another number of years passed and another note arrived and it said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to know that as of today, I am a Theodore J. Stollard, M.D. How about that? I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat because you're the nearest thing to family that I've ever had. Love, Teddy Stollard. You know, the ability to assign value is one of the rarest and most precious gifts in the world. So value what God values. Encourage one another. Come alongside one another. Call out the good in one another. Because you never know. You might just change a life forever. <laughs>